And we're glad you're here, and uh, I really feel like I have a, a word from you today. We are wrapping up our struggle series today. This is the last and final one. We've talked about comparison. We've talked about forgiveness. We've talked about gossip. We've talked about identity. And then uh, we got this last one today that I'm going to share with you. And so how many have you been enjoying the series so far? I hope you have. Uh, it's been, been really good. It's been fun to preach, and I uh, hope it's been helpful to you. Uh, today I have a real, <clears throat> a real word from the Lord, and I feel like uh, it's hopefully going to be timely for you. And uh, really today I want to speak on the need to lose weight. <laughs> Did I come to the right church? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know how you walked in today, if you walked in heavy or not, but I'm, I'm going to share today about how we can lose weight. And, uh, and I'm not talking about physical weight, so you can go ahead and breathe out. Um, but I believe that today, if you walked in heavy, you're going to walk out a lot lighter. And that's my prayer today, that you would walk out a lot lighter. It's a new diet plan that you've never heard before. And uh, this, one, this one actually works, by the way. I don't know what all the other ones do. Uh, but I want you to turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 12. Proverbs chapter 12. And I want to show you what this diet plan is that I believe that God has for us today as we uh, wrap up this series. In Proverbs chapter 12, if you're there, say I'm there. Okay, Proverbs chapter 12, it says this. It says, anxiety in a man's heart, what, is it, what does it say? Weighs him down, weighs him down. Underline that. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a, what's those next two words? A good word, a good word makes him glad. So we see anxiety makes you overweight, but a good word helps you lose weight. So how many of you want a good word today? All right, good. Me too. So we're going to, I'm going to pray for a great word. So you lose a lot more weight. And so how many want to lose some weight <clears throat> in more ways than one? Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> Um, and so that's what we're going to do. And so that's where we're going to go. So let's pray. Father, we love you. Uh, God, we thank you for your word, that it is a great word. And so I just pray right now, uh, God, as we dive into this and, and talk about this topic of anxiety and fear and worry, we see from your scripture that it weighs us down. And I know there are many people here that have walked in here today weighed down. And I pray that there would be a great word today that would lift the load and they would walk out lighter than they came in. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. How many of you would be honest and say by a show of hands that you struggle with anxiety or worry or fear? Raise your hand. Okay, all right. All those that didn't raise your hand, you're probably worried that people think about you and, uh, or you're a liar. Either one or two. But we all struggle with fear. I think we all struggle with worry in some way or another. And uh, we all get fears. My, all, all of my family, we all have different fears. And it's funny because all of my boys have different fears as well. My, uh, my middle son, Judah, uh, he has a fear of bees. Bees. And, uh, and you would know why he'd have this fear of bees. Because one day he was outside and he ran into a hive and had like six or seven sting him. And so after that, he did not want to have anything to do with bees. And so we would just, you know, to make his life awesome, just go around the house and go, and so, 
I know, we're, we're terrible. I'm sorry. <laughs> but he did. He didn't like bees at all. And still at times, like he, he hears like a flutter. He kind of like flinches and stuff. And he's got this fear of bees that happens. Um, and, then, and then Judah, I mean, Joel, my youngest, uh, his fear is actually. <laughs> so at night <clears throat> when I tuck him down into bed. And uh, Lindsay and I go back into our room. We have a monitor uh, to listen for him because of his condition and stuff. We have to make sure his pump doesn't go off and all that stuff. So I can hear, I'm laying in bed and I hear, Dad. And it's just like that, right, babe? Dad. And so I'll press a little intercom. What's up, buddy? I'm scared. What are you scared of? E.T. and Gollum. E.T., the movie E.T., for some reason we let our kids watch E.T., and then Lord of the Rings, Gollum on Lord of the Rings. Y'all know Gollum, the creepy-looking one? Yeah. So for some reason, E.T. and Gollum have joined a dynamic duo and have teamed up on Joel. And so I get this, oh, Dad. And so now, this is how it plays out now. So that's been about probably the past six months or so. And so now it plays like this, Dad. What's up, son? scared. What are you scared of? I don't want to (laughs) say. Okay, son, E.T. is not real. Gollum is not real. Jesus is real. He's okay. He's in here. Judah's in here. I don't care about Judah. (laughs) Okay, well, I'm sorry. I mean, this is, this is real life for us. Josiah, my oldest, uh, he, he was scared of Chuck E. Cheese, the mouse. Not the place. <laughs> the mouse Chuck E. Cheese. How I many know that, that, that thing's creepy? And depending on who they got in there, it makes them even creepier. And so uh, I remember, y'all remember Showtime or Showbiz, the players before it was, okay, that's for anybody that was born in the 90s, you have no clue. But for those that are a little older, you, you may remember Showtime and they had those little characters and they would like move and they were automated and they, I, those freaked me out. So I can understand. I, I, I'm the same way with them. And, uh, and so we have these, these paranoias. And we all have fears. I actually looked up a couple different fears. Uh, one of the fears that I'm going to show you is a fear that actually I had growing up. Let's put that word up. I'll, I'll put some of these up, see if you can figure out what these fears are. So colorophobia. Anybody want to guess what that one is? You know what it is? It's a fear of coloring. No, it's not a fear of coloring or a fear of colors. Let's, let's show them what it is. This is one that I had. A fear of clowns. Anybody else have this fear? I have this fear. You got that fear? I, I know you're not even looking at the screen right now. I know who it is. That's why I don't like McDonald's. I don't even go there. Um, crazy clowns. I, I, had a, I had a clown that came up when I was a little baby that came up. My mom was pushing me in a stroller and came up and was like, Bleh! and for literally, probably till I was about 26, um, did not want to see a clown whatsoever. Here's the other one. There's, there's, and these are real deal. This is a real deal. Olfactophobia. Anybody know what this one is? Yeah, well, it's, it's specifically for showing what it is. It's a fear of foul smells. My wife has that one. You got that one? Yeah. <laughs> Any other wives in here have that one? Your husband? Okay, anyways. Um, so, fear of foul smells. Here, let me show you the other one. <clears throat> Homilophobia. Anybody know what this one is? Homilophobia. Fe- fear of what? Being alone? No. Here's what it is. Let me show you. Fear of sermons, especially when people squirt you with water. I hope you don't have fear of sermons, by the way. <laughs> you wouldn't be here. Let me, let me, oh, you do. Okay. All right. Well, let's, I'm coming for you then. Okay. So here's the next one. Let me show you this last one. 
Geliophobia. Anybody know what geliophobia is? Anybody want to take a, it's not a fear of gel, by the way. Um, it's not a fear of gel. Here's what it is. It's a, it's a fear of, fear of laughing, fear of laughing. That photo is funny. I don't care what you say. That's, if you haven't done the face swap, you need to do the face swap. I make an ugly woman and Lindsay makes an ugly man. And so thank God we are what we are. Anyways, please take that off the screen for all of us. Yes. Um, so we have fears. Anna, you're about to be fired. I can fire a volunteer. I, I can. You watch me. Um, y'all know what the number one fear is? Fear of public speaking. That's the number one fear that people have. You know what number two is? Fear of death. Which I find is hilarious that people would rather die than public speak. Don't put me up there. I'm going to die. I'll die first. That's, that's fears. Fears are, 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 are realistic. They're, they're, well, sometimes they're, they're irrational. They're not realistic. But we all have fears. And, and uh, I, I think I'm qualified to share this message. I mean, I have worries just like you. I mean, I pastor a church and we're growing and that's a worry. I, I have a son who's got somewhat of a terminal illness. That's a worry. I mean, I, I feel like I have license to be able to preach this message today. And so I'm going to preach today kind of from some vulnerability in some areas, even in my own heart, where God's had to really teach me about fear and about worry. But uh, let me help you real quick before we go any further to be able to help maybe identify what you're, you, you're worried about. Maybe it's real easy for you. You know, I mean, I talk about worry and you immediately tell me what your top three are. But let me give you just a couple questions on how you can figure out what you're worried about. Here's, here's, here's your first question. Uh, what do you think, uh, think about before you go to bed? That's a way for you to, 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 to figure out what you're worried about. Or let's, let's put this. What keeps you up at night? That may be another way. What, what do you think about all the time? Let me, let me give you another one. What wakes you up in the middle of the night? That you wake up, you're like, <gasps> maybe E.T. or Gollum? I don't know. Maybe it's somebody else. But we all got fears. Here's another one. What, what, um, when you wake up first thing in the morning, what's the first thing on your mind? Other than you need to go to the bathroom. Um, what is that? Oftentimes what plagues our minds, what, what, what floods our emotions in our hearts is worry and anxiety and, you know, bills or kids or job or whatever it is. But we all have fears and our fears revolve primarily around three things. And these, these are blanks for you to fill out, by the way. Um, and here's the first one. Let me give you the first one. This, all of our fears usually revolve around one of these three categories. Here's the first one. Is, is a fear of not getting what you want. It's a fear of not getting what you want. Anybody in here want to get married? I, I was giving you a chance here. Okay, all right. Well, you won't. Um, so, no, I'm joking. It, but that is a fear. Anybody that wants to get married, what is the fear? I won't get married. Anybody here want to have kids? And what's the fear? I can't have kids or we won't have kids. Uh, I, 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 I want to have that job. I want to get a job. My fear, my worry, I can't get a job. And so oftentimes our fears are revolved around not getting what we want, whether it's good or bad. There's some wants that are good, some wants that are probably bad. And, but any, any, nevertheless, a lot of our worries revolve around that. Here's the second category, though, is getting what you want and losing it. That's another fear. Man, I, I, I want to get married. Okay, I got married, and now here's the fear. What if he leaves me? What if she 
leads me. Oh, I, I can't wait to have kids. Oh, we had kids. Now my fear is, oh, God, let nothing ever happen to my kids. We, we run into this fear of losing whatever it is that we finally did get. Man, I pray that I can get pregnant. Okay, now I am pregnant. Here's the fear. I pray I don't miscarry. And that becomes a, a fear that we have and a worry and anxiety. Here's your third one, though. So we, we, fear is wrapped around not getting what you want. Secondly, getting what you want and losing it. And here's the third one, getting what you don't want. So, God, I pray I never get, and then you fill in the blank. I pray I never get cancer. I pray I never, I, I pray no one close to me ever dies tragically. I pray that uh, I never get fired. I pray that, and so we, we have these worries and fears that was the things that we don't want to happen, that they do happen, and we get, we get into this really emotional state. And how many you know a lot of times what we do, not what we fear, oftentimes doesn't even come to pass? But we'll talk a little bit more about this in just a little bit. Um, you know what the number one uh, most, um, what would be the word for it, most frequent command in the Bible is? Fear not. You know how many times it's in there? 366. 366 times God tells us to fear not. You know why? Because he gave you one for every day. And leap year. Because he's just that awesome. He says, fear not. So I want you to go to Matthew chapter 6. And I want us to look now at Jesus. I want us to look at Jesus and see what he has to say about this anxiety, fear, worry that's in our heart. I mean, we all got honest in here and said, hey, we struggle with it. It's a real struggle. And so let's talk about, let's look at Jesus. Jesus is the one that helps us. He had, I'm sure he had stress too. And so let's see what he says. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25, it says this. Jesus says, therefore, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life. How's that going for you, by the way? <laughs> don't be anxious about your life and, and what you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body and what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So here's just the first thing I just want you to notice. First off, is Jesus starts off with a command, not a suggestion. He doesn't say, hey, I think it would be good if we probably just maybe cut a little bit of the worry out of our lives. He said, listen, no, don't worry. Well, that's easy to say, but it's not easy to do. But he does, he does categorize it as a command. And you're going to notice in this chapter, he's going to say it three different times. He's going to say, don't worry in chapter, tw- I mean, in verse 25, in verse 31, and in verse 34. We'll read them in just a little bit. But he says it three times because he's categorizing worry as a sin, do not worry. Right up there with do not steal, do not kill, do not commit adultery, do not worry. It's right up there. It is a sin just like everything else. And God is telling us not to worry. And we're going to find out why he tells us that in the first place. But I want you to write this down and you can go ahead and fill in one of your first blanks here. And this is one of the things that we've got to really start. We're going to learn from Jesus on how we do this. But the first thing is this, is that we've got to watch your focus. You've got to watch your focus. When it comes to worry, you've got to watch your focus. Now, now, now let's read. Verse 26. This is, this is Jesus' prescription on how you don't worry or how you worry less. He says, look at the birds of the air, and they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value? Underline those words. Are you not of more value than they? Verse 28, and why are you anxious about clothing? 
Consider the lilies of the fields and how they grow, and they neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he, here's those two words again, will he much more? So we found out he is, you are of more value. And now he is saying much more, will he not much more clothe you, O you, of little faith. Okay, so let's back up here because it really sounds like Jesus is smoking something. Right? Okay, so Jesus goes, hey, listen, I don't want you to worry about anything. And here's how you don't worry. Just go look at the birds. Really? I mean, has anybody ever been like, man, I don't know if we're going to pay this bill. Hey, why don't you go look at some birds for a little while? <laughs> man, I just got the worst news in my life. Hey, you know what? Let's go consider the lilies. Anybody, y'all ever done that? Anybody ever done that? I mean, it sounds like he's like a hippie Jesus or something. Let's just, let's consider the birds. <laughs> let's look at the flowers. Like, Jesus, come on, get a grip now. What are you talking about here? I've, I've never been in the middle of worry and gone, hey, let's go watch some ravens. You want to? And yet Jesus here is saying, hey, listen, you need to look at the birds and you need to consider the flowers of the fields. And he's not saying that in a way for us just to, to not have to go do anything. And let's just sit down and watch the birds and watch the flowers. That's not, that's not what he's saying. What he's trying to get at is that you've got to watch your focus. You've got to focus on the right things. And when you look at the birds and you look at the flowers, you're going to notice something. You're going to notice that they don't worry. Birds don't worry. I've never had a bird come up to me like, no birds, no worms. I don't know where my house is. Like animals don't worry. Flowers don't worry. Okay. And by the way, birds don't talk to me. Okay. I just want to just go ahead and get that out there. No Dr. Doolittle. Um, but they don't. And so God is going, listen, I, I want you to watch what you focus on because if you don't watch your focus, it's going to go in a bad place. Joyce Myers, she said this, and I put it in your notes. This is a quote that she said. She said, worry is down payment on a problem you may never have. Come on, isn't that the truth? How many times have we worried about something that never came about? Man, I'm worried I'm going to lose my job. And you never lost it. Sometimes you do, but sometimes you don't. Sometimes worry is something that we're doing for something that may never happen. But oftentimes we create anxiety, we create fear, we create worry in our own lives by what we say and what we hear. Come on, how many know that your world is created by your words? And what you get up in the morning and you begin to declare and say, you walk that out. So if you wake up, you know, in the morning and go, man, it's a terrible day. I hate this and this is what's going on. How many know the rest of the day is probably going to be everything that you just said it was going to be. And so a lot of times the declarations of our mouth, the Bible says that there's life and death in the power of the tongue. And so a lot of times our worries are fed by what we say. We keep talking about it. We keep, we keep rehearsing it. It's also fed by what we hear. Come on. Or, or what you look at. If you wake up first thing in the morning and just turn on the TV immediately and go right to the news, how many know half of that is terrible? Most of it, I'd probably even say more than half of it is terrible. You jump on Facebook immediately and all you see is just people ranting about this and ranting about that. How many know that just feeds your spirit to just have that type of day? And all of a sudden, worry and fear and anxiety and all this stuff starts creeping up inside of you. And I'm going to tell you something. If you listen to depression and you watch depression and you hang out with depression, don't be surprised if you are 
depressed. Some of us are depressed because that's, we've allowed it in here. We've allowed it to be what we see. We have say it. We speak it. Do you know what the number one? Well, I'll get to that in a minute. I'll get to that in a minute. Let me, let me give you this other quote. Worry doesn't treat your situation like a camera, but like a dark room because it develops all the negatives. Come on, isn't that the truth too? It always develops the negatives. I remember teaching my boys how to, how to jump off of the diving board for Joel and for Judah. And I remember teaching them how to do it. And, and, and how many know you don't just, the way that you teach a kid to, get on the, to jump off the diving board is you don't go get behind them and then just be like, <laughs> I hope it works out for you. Um, now, what do you do? If you're, if, you're, if you're a dad and you really want to help them, you get into the deep end and then you get them on the end and you say, jump. Daddy's got you. Jump. Daddy's got you. And so uh, that's the process of how I taught my boys. And they, sometimes they're on the diving board for five minutes because they're debating on the fact if, if I really got them or not. And so finally, when they finally do jump and you do actually catch them, and good job, and you send them on. How I many know the next jump is easier? And then the next jump is easier. And then eventually, how I many know they're like, get out of the way, dad. Right? Why? Because what, what has happened on is you've got them to focus on you more than focusing on the jump itself, but to focus on, just watch me. Come here. I got you. And so they've learned to train their focus because here's the truth. Now, listen to me on this. Your fears and your faith are both powered and driven by your focus. Your fears and your faith are both powered and driven by your focus. Whatever you focus on. Listen, if you wake up every morning focused on your fears, your worries, and anxiety, that will grow. But if you wake up every morning focused on your faith, focused on your father, focusing on that he's good and he's trustworthy and he's faithful and he's got this and he's bigger than any problem and he is my provider and you wake up and you focus on that, how many of you know that will increase? The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And how many of you know if you will focus your faith on the father, it will diminish the fear. But if you focus on the fear... It will diminish your faith. That's how it works. So watch your focus. Watch your focus. Here's number two. Give your best and trust God with the rest. Give your best and trust God with the rest. Let's, let's read this next verse. Matthew six twenty seven. It says this. And which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? Jesus is saying, hey, you're worrying and you're anxious all the time. Listen, that doesn't, that doesn't extend your life. And actually now, doctors and medical professionals and scientists will actually tell you that worry and anxiety will decrease your life. Jesus said it first, by the way. Now scientists are actually proving what the Bible's always said. Because you know what the number one most prescribed medicine is nowadays? Antidepressants. You know Why? You know why people are depressed? Oftentimes, worry, anxiety, fear, overwhelmed, stressed, and people take antidepressants all the time. It's not all the time. I'm not going to lump everything into one category, and I'm not going to say that antidepressants are, are totally wrong. But some people use antidepressants to medicate the problem instead of fixing the problem. And that is a problem. 
when we use it to medicate. So what do we people do all the time? I can't sleep, so what do I do? I have to take sleeping pills as well to help so that I can go to sleep. I can't do this. And so what we do is we medicate the issue instead of actually dealing with the issue. And so you, you actually see some, some physical signs. Let me actually give you some of these physical signs. If you are worried all the time, anxious all the time, fearful all the time, you'll probably have some of these show up physically in your life. Here's some physical signs. Insomnia. You can't sleep. Exhausted all the time. Irritable. You're very irritable with people. Headaches. Constant headaches. Pressure. Because not only is the pressure on the outside, now the pressure has come up into the inside and there's pressure everywhere. And here's another one, depressed. Depressed. And I, w- I would just throw this out there. If any of those are signs or any things that you deal with, I would, I would ask you to honestly ask God to show you, are any of these based out of worry, fear, or anxiety? And if they are, the good news is God can heal all those. He can heal every single one of them. Corey Tim Boone wrote this, and I think I put this in your notes as well. This is what she said. She said, worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. And that's what worry does. There's a story of two guys. One guy was named Steve. One guy was named Ed. They were two business executives. They hadn't seen each other in a long time. And they, they finally were able to have lunch together. And Ed, first question Ed asked Steve when they got to lunch, he said, man, Steve, how's your health? Steve said, Man, I'm doing great. He said, all of the ulcers are gone. And Ed goes, man, how did you get all your ulcers gone? How'd that happen? He said, man, I went to the doctor. And when I went to the doctor, the doctor told me that the ulcers that I was having were created by stress and worry. And they were creating these ulcers. And so my doctor said, you've got to deal with the stress in your life. And so he said, guess what? I hired a professional worrier. He said, what is a professional worrier? Steve said, listen, a professional worrier is when something comes into my life that I'm extremely worried about, stressed out, stressed out about, anxious about. He says, I give it to my professional worrier and he worries about it for me. And Ed goes, are you serious? He's like, man, I've got to have one of those. Like, how much is he? And he said, listen, he is way expensive, way too expensive probably for what you're going forward. He said, man, well, tell me how much is he? He's like, he's a hundred thousand dollars. And Ed goes, dude, how are you paying for this? There's no, you, there's no way you could afford $100,000. He said, I don't know. I let him worry about it. <laughs> That's funny. I don't care what you say. That's hilarious. <laughs> let me give you the third one. Leave the details to God. Leave the details to God. Matthew 6, 31 says, therefore, don't be anxious. Here's our second time. Saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? You see, Lindsay? We can underline that one right there. Uh, what shall we? Anyways. <laughs> All right. Anyways. I'm, I'm not going home. Um, it says, for the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father. Now watch this. Your heavenly Father what? Knows. What does it say? Help me out. Knows. He knows that you need them all. What are we going to eat? God knows you need to eat. Thank you, God, for knowing I need to eat. You made me this way. What am I going to drink? God knows that. What am I going to wear? God knows that. You know, oftentimes, Lindsay and I were actually talking about this uh, yesterday when I was sharing a little bit of my message with her because we were talking about how it's so easy to trust God in really big things. 
you know, all the stuff that we've had going down with Joel, it really seemed, I don't want to say easy, but it's just been like, we just trust God. And I think a part of it is because it's so far beyond our control, you really have no other option. And it seems like with the really, really big stuff that goes on in our lives, we have a lot easier time trusting God. God, we're going to need this house and all this stuff. And we, God, you're going to do it. God, we need some money to pay this. And, and, and we believe that he can, he can take care of that, that. But it seems like the areas that at least we have the greatest issues in is in the small areas. I have a real hard time trusting God like when I get that bill in. How's this going to happen? How's this going to play out? A really hard time trusting God on something that's going on in my son or something that's going on that just seems really small. And I think the reason, and how many would agree with that? When it comes to big things, it's like, man, that's easy. When it comes to small stuff, it it seems like it's a lot more difficult. And I think the reason is, is because, I mean, we serve a God who's in heaven, almighty, you know, made the world, made all this stuff. And and we know, man, when it comes to like salvation, I can trust God with that. God, you're going to get me to heaven. But then when it comes to like the really small things, it seems like, at least in my life, those are the areas where I want to take control and I don't want to give God control of those. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to have that. And I feel like in some regards, and, and we wouldn't say this, but God says, hey, I, I'm getting you to heaven. You just take care of all the other stuff. Like, but that's not the truth. We know that's not the truth. And I think a part of the real reason, though, that we have a real hard time with God is because, because God is so big and so grand and has such great, great plans, the problem is he doesn't give us the details. Any of y'all ever wish God would give you details? Like, y'all know we serve a God who doesn't give details. Y'all know that, right? I mean, did anybody in here, did, did, did God tell you, okay, listen, so this is going to happen in 2014, and then in 2015, this is going to happen, and then 2016, okay, all right, so you're going to lose your job, and then 2017, you're going to get a job that pays double, and then 2018, you're going to have a baby, and then 2019, there's going to be a hurricane, but it's all right, it's going to take out your house, but it's okay. In 2020, you're going to get a grand, awesome mansion house, it's going to be sweet, insurance you're going to pay for, they're going to pay it all off, and then, anybody get something like that? I, I would wish he would. That'd be awesome. But he doesn't. And actually, if you look all throughout Scripture, he doesn't do it in Scripture either. Genesis chapter 12, God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, listen, I want you to go to the land that I'm going to show you. Okay? And then he was silent. He didn't say anything after that. Come on, how many of you know... I would like some details. Do I need to sell my house? Do I need to rent it out? I mean, do I need to move? Are we going where are we going? Are we going Gaydon? We going to Crowley? Are we going to where are we going? Are we going to Cozumel? I mean, where are you calling me to? Okay, I don't know what we're doing here. I mean, I would want some details, but we don't see the details. God doesn't give a map. He doesn't even give a plan because I believe that if God would give us the plan, that we wouldn't trust the person. Right? If God gave us the plan, we would not trust the person. We would trust the plan. Right? All right, you nod your head about that, but you hate that as well. We hate that. God goes to Moses and says, Moses, listen, you're going to go, you're going to go back to Egypt and you can go to the most powerful man in the world and you're going to tell him, let my people go. And Moses was like, okay. And who am I going to say sent me? And he said, tell them I am. You got a last name? I mean, is that all, all we got? Okay, yeah, yeah. Tell them I am who I am. Is this like a rap? I mean, what is this like? He didn't, 
he gave, he gave no details to Moses about what would happen, about a staff. Notice, he, he told him, he said, go and tell him to let my people go. That's it. He didn't tell him about the plagues, about the frogs, about the hemorrhoids. He didn't say anything about any of that stuff. But all that stuff, it played out, didn't it? All, right? Peter, they're in the boat. Waves crashing on. Jesus just strolling up on the water. The Bible says that Jesus was just going to pass them by on the water, which I think that's hilarious. I was just going to check, check them out on the water. And Peter sees them and says, I think that's Jesus. Hey, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come meet you. And you know what Jesus goes? Come. Peter's like, like now? You want me now? And if I was Peter, I'd be like, is there like a water walking, like DVD instructional or something? Like, I've never really done this. How? You sure about this? I mean, we. and all Jesus says is, come. We give that command to a dog. Come. And can I say this? Sometimes God only says one word. Sometimes for you, maybe in your marriage, the only thing that he said is stay. That's all he said. Sometimes when it's come maybe to your future, and I know this has been the story of of us with Joel. Here's the word God's given us. Trust. Okay, God, but I'd like to know, like, is he going to live? Is he not going to live? I mean, is this going to be a good journey? Is this going to be a hard journey? Is this going to be? Trust. Okay. How many of you have gotten words like that with no detail? How many know if, if you, if you're going to follow Jesus, you've got to get comfortable with following a God who doesn't give you the details. Right? And let me, let me even put it an, another step further. Just because you don't know the details doesn't mean he doesn't. See, I, I don't know if y'all have ever done this with your kids. I do this with my boys all the time. Hey, guys, get your shoes on. We got to go. Where are we going? Where, where are we going? Hey, dad said, get your shoes on. We got to go. Okay, like, where are we going, though? I mean, it's like, is it far? Is it close? I mean, are we going somewhere? I mean, what, what, what else are we doing? I mean, where is it? Get your shoes on. We got to go. <laughs> dad, are we like, where? Just get your shoes on. <laughs> Right? Anybody? Okay, am I the only? Can I get up some, some support from the parent section? Okay, all right, thank you. All right. Listen, you don't need to know the details. You just need to know what I told you to do. Just, just put your shoes on. I got the details. I know where we're going. I know what we're doing. You don't need to know. If you need to know, I'll let you know. Right? Anybody told you, your kids that? <laughs> Dad, why are we doing this? I'm the only one who needs to know right now. If you need to know, I'll tell you later. Maybe. And I think, listen, we have a hard time serving a God like that. Because we are people who like the details. And so when God doesn't give us the details, guess what we do? We go, we go into God mode for him, and that's what creates the worry. Right? So we go, well, God, you're not big enough to figure this out. So guess what? I'm going to figure it out for you. I'm going to figure this thing out for you. 
And so this idea of leaving the details to God is, is it goes even back to the second point, which is I'm going to give my best and then I'm going to trust God with the rest. I'm going to listen. It doesn't mean you're, you're lazy and you don't do anything. You've got to do something. But when I've gone to the extreme of what I can do, I've got to trust God with the rest of the stuff that happens. So God says, hey, hey, I lost my job. Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to go put out applications everywhere. But guess what? I don't know where I'm going to get. So I'm going to just trust God that he's going to put the right application in the right hand. I'm going to get the right job. Y'all with me here? I can't make that happen. There's a part that I can do that I can play in this process. But at the end of the day, I'm going to go to bed just okay because God is so much bigger and he's working this thing out. Romans 8.31 should be a, a, a scripture. It's not in your thing. You can just write it down, but that should be a scripture. Romans 8.28 through 31 should just be a scripture that you meditate over, over and over and over. That God is working all things out for your good, for those who love him and are called according to your purpose. That all things he provides for. Come on, how many know God provides all things for you? And when God says, let no thing, be anxious about nothing, no thing. Oftentimes our anxiety is attached to our things. And so God says, don't be anxious about no thing. And when God's trying to take stress from us, we think he's trying to take our stuff from us, but he's not trying to take your stuff. He's trying to take your stress, but you think he's taking your stuff because your stress is tied to your stuff. Man, I'm preaching so much better than you're (laughs) responding, but isn't that the case? God's trying to take stuff from us He's trying to take stress from us, but because our stress is attached to our stuff, it seems like he's taking our stuff from us, but he's not. He's taking your idol because your idol is actually in what you're probably most stressed about. Okay. Here's here's the last one, and we're going to wrap all this up. When worship goes up, worry comes down. When worship goes up, worry comes down. Let's, Let's read this last verse. Matthew six thirty three through 34, it says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these. What is it? What is it? What is it? Things. Things. Seek first God. We're going to pray first. We're going to seek first. We're going to go after God first. And when we create a God first life. All these things will be added to me. And therefore he, he, he sums it all up with don't be anxious. Don't worry. About tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And this is what God has been showing me probably in these last, really this last month, but even over this past, uh, even over these past couple of years has been that you have got to worship your way through your problems and not worry your way through your problems. You've got to worship through them. Imagine a seesaw. Anybody did a seesaw whenever you were, you know, in elementary grade? Anybody ever ride on a seesaw? Anybody hate to be on a seesaw with somebody when they got at the bottom, they got off? I hate you. Okay. Anyways, uh, that was me. I was the one that weighed to the bottom. And so, but this is what God's saying. God's saying, listen, when worry begins to rise, when worry rises and it rises in our hearts, You better let the level of your worship rise so that worry will go down. And when worship rises in our hearts, worry naturally goes down. But when worry, now here's the deal. It's the opposite is true. When worry rises, worship goes down. And so anytime my heart is filled with anxiety, fear, and worry, and that stuff is creeping up, creeping up, creeping up, I better make sure that my worship is outweighing my worry. 
And I've got to come to the Lord. I've got to seek first the Lord. I've got to take care of pursuing God and focusing on him. And when I do that, the worry level begins to drop down. Does the, is the worry not there anymore? No. Notice I didn't say when you worship, the worry leaves. I said when you worship, when worship goes up, worry goes down. It just means it goes down. Listen, worry will always be there. I'm not going to sit in here and blanket this thing and go, listen, if you do these things, you'll never fear. You'll never worry. You'll never be anxious. I'd be a lying preacher because you, you have anxiety and you have worry and you have fear just like I do. And we always do. But the truth is, I don't want fear to have you. I want you to have the fear. I want you to be in control of the fear. I don't want the fear to be in control of you. Y'all with me here? That's the desire. That's the, that's the plan here is that it's that, that, that it's not that I, I no longer have fear. It's just that fear no longer has me. And that's, that's our prayer. That's our desire. And I honestly think I, I'm, this is just personally, I think some of my best worship has come out of my most worrisome moments. The most heartfelt worship I've ever had with the Lord has been when my heart has been so overwhelmed with what's going on around me. And you've got to learn this worry and, and fear and all of that is not circumstantial. It's actually stuff that's going on the inside. Because listen, the waves crash, the wind blows, all of that happens all the time. But if you can get peace on the inside of you, you can go through anything. We see that in the, sto- in the story of Paul who's in prison and says, says, listen, don't worry. Don't be anxious. But in everything, through prayer and supplication, make your requests made known to God with thanksgiving. Paul is in the middle of prison. Worst situation ever. We've talked about this so many times. And yet he can say, listen, don't be worried. I would be worried. I mean, life doesn't seem too good. But you know what the difference was? There was a peace and a joy and a hope that was on the inside that worry could never get on the inside. The the real waves that you have to worry about are not what's going on around you. It's the waves that are going on within you. You know that, right? Y'all hear me, right? The real issue is not, will I get married? Will I not get married? Will I have a baby? Will I not have a baby? Will I have a job? Will I not have a job? That's not the issue. The issue is not with those things that are circumstantial. Those things are always there. The issue is what is going on in the waves of your own heart. And that's what God's trying to get after. That's what God's trying to go after. You know, the other, uh, about a week and a half ago, I've been really studying about this thing of fear and worry and all this. And I sat down in my porch and I wrote down all the things that I'm afraid of. I personally did that. I'm at 26 things right now. I mean, it was, it was everything from family to stuff with Joel to stuff here at the church to stuff that I'm personally in my own personal life to my extended family. I mean, it was just stuff all over. I mean, I just started writing a list. I'm scared of this and I'm scared of that and I'm scared of this and I'm scared of that. And, and here's why I did that. Because I, I've learned that if I can get my fears and worries out into the light, it'll expose the power of it. You know that? Because if we sit here and act like, I don't worry, I don't fear, I don't think it's got power over you. But as soon as you could admit, yeah, I do worry about that. I do struggle about that. I do have an issue with that. All of a sudden you bring it out to the light. Guess what it happens? It loses all its power. It loses all its power. I, I'll even tell you even this, I, and, and this is even getting more raw. You know, one of the top worries, of course, I think that Lindsay and I have is that my son will die. That's a, that's a real fear. And yesterday... As I'm preparing for this and, and I was writing some things out and going over that list and all that stuff. I, God asked me this question. What if he does? 
What if he does? Then what? And I had to really wrestle with that because you know what? Would God still be good? Yeah, he would. Would God be my ever-present help? Yeah, he would. Would God be faithful? Yeah, he would. Do I want any of that to happen? Absolutely not. But what if it does? What if? What if your greatest fears came true? What if your worries happened? What if you did lose the job? What if something did happen? What if? Would God still be good? Or is God only good when your fears aren't happening? Do y'all see how we play this out? I'm trying to give you some perspective here. What if all your fears played out? Would God still not be enough? It would be the most hardest, most difficult thing I've ever walked through. But you know what? God would get me through it. God would get... Your fears expose what you idolize. Worship means value. When we say we worship God, it means we put value on God. And you know what we fear the most? We fear losing what we love the most. So you know why you fear losing your job? Because your job is very high up there. You know why you get afraid of losing money? Because money is up there. You know why you get afraid losing your kids? Because you love your kids. Now I'm not saying that we want any of those things to happen. But how many of you know it does happen? Y'all understand that, right? We're one month out. Our, our dear friends had a, had a son just like ours, exact same scenario. He, he's been dealing with pH just like our son. And today is one month from their son dying. And that what if became a reality. Their son did die. And guess what's happening? God is their ever-present help right now. God is there. He's in the midst and he's healing and he's helping and he's giving hope. So listen, no matter what your fear is, no matter what your worries are, no matter what any of those are, is God still enough? God, I hope he is. Because if he's not and your hope is anchored to something instead of someone, it will go bad for you. But I, I so pray that our church, our hope and our joy and our peace, which is all under our jurisdiction, would be tied to someone and not something. Y'all with me here? I want to end with this last verse. And this is what it says, Psalm 73. It says, whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than any thing. Come on, I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this with, with some open ears today. I desire you more than any thing on earth. Be anxious for no thing. This is, this is David's heart. God, I desire you more than anything. I desire you more than my kids. I desire you more than my job. I desire you more than my health. I desire you more than money. I desire you. I desire you. And look what he says. Look, my health may fail. I was just talking to a woman outside. And she was talking to me about her husband. And she said, yeah, he's got, he's got this disease that's going on. His legs are going out. And they just found out that he's going blind. I would think this qualifies right here. My health may fail. So what do you say to somebody that's like that? 
Do you say, oh, let's trust God. And I, 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 yeah, we do trust God. But how many know that's still hard? That's still hard to walk through. And she said, but you know what? God is so good. She said, he's just been so good to us. Well, how can you say that when your health is failing? You know why? Because she loves God more than anything. Y'all with me here? Look, my health may fail and my spirit may grow weak. But, but this, these two next, these two words, but God, but God remains the strength of my heart and he is mine forever. But as for me, how good it is to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter. That means I run to him when things are going wrong. And I will tell everyone about the wonderful things that you do. Hmm. Can you bow your heads all across this place? Father, I pray right here in this moment that you would relieve, release burdens and weights of worry. If you would be honest, and this whole series really has just been about honesty, just us being honest about our struggles, us allowing God to heal these struggles and these hurts. Say, Pastor Josh, I man, just coming in here, it's been a weight. There has been a real weight of worry and anxiety. Maybe it's over your kids. Maybe it's over a job situation. I don't know what it's over, but it's over something. There's just something that's been going on, and it is weighed down on me. If that's you, would you stand all across this room? I want to pray for you. Come on, people standing all over. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your honesty. Now, if you're there, if you're, if, if, if you're standing, would you just lift your hands? Listen, when worship goes up, worry comes down. So let, let's just practice this right here. God, we just surrender to you. God, we just surrender this to you. God, we worship you today. God, we thank you, Lord, that even though our health may fail, God, even though our, our, our kids may not be where they should be, even though our spirit may grow weak, but God, you remain. You remain the center of our lives. You remain the strength of our heart. And right now, Jesus, we practice, we put this into practice and we worship you for who you are. God, we thank you that you're faithful. God, we thank you that you're trustworthy. God, we thank you that you're good. God, we thank you that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And we commit all of these worries. Your word says for us to cast our cares upon you for you care for us. God, in the smallest of details to the largest of details, you care for us. God, thank you for being a caring, compassionate, gracious God. God, we just right now, we release, we release all these burdens to you. We focus on you, our Father. God, we we commit to give our best and do our best, but to trust you with the rest. God, we commit, Lord, in this time together, Lord, to leave all the details to you. And we just say today, we trust you. Come on, can you just say that with me? Say, I trust you. Come on, let's say it again. God, I trust you. God, we trust you. As Romans 8, 28 says that you're working all things out for our good who love you. God, we just trust you today. If anything today, God, we're reminded yet again, we trust you. We love you. God, we thank you for all that you're doing. In Jesus' precious name and all God's people said, 